Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts. This morning we move on in our February month of love. We will talk about love and marriage today, but for those of you to whom that does not apply, stay with me. We are uh, we're going to try to hit everybody in the sermon, so uh, I'm glad that you're here, and we do want to be inclusive of all forms of relationships as we do that. Our text, a uh, very familiar one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll read verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, teach us to love one another as you have loved us, that the world might know your goodness. Lord, may our community know you because of our love for one another. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Wow, beautiful words. Powerful words. Uh, subversive words. Dangerous words, aren't they? If you really believe them, it gets kind of dangerous. Now, we love using this text at wedding ceremonies. The couple comes and stands before God and they look uh, with starry eyes at one another, that deep love and gushiness. And, and the pastor might read this whole chapter about love and what it looks like. And uh, the couples are just enraptured with one another's presence. But somewhere in the back of their minds, at least one of them is thinking, yep, that's the way my spouse is going to treat me. They're going to remember what the preacher said, and they're going to act like that towards me. Uh, you know, and as the marriage begins to work its way out, the relationship develops, and uh, at some point along the way, somebody might actually weaponize these verses to say, hey, you should be more kind to me. It's in the Bible. <laughs> or you should be patient with me. The preacher said so. Or, I know, that, I know that you want me to go shopping with you Saturday afternoon, but the Bible says that love doesn't insist on its own way. And so you shouldn't ask that of me. It's being a little arrogant, too. Or, uh, I know that you think we ought to spend the holidays with your side of the family, but you remember, you don't insist on your own way. That's not really love. Uh Love bears all things. You should really put up with my quirkiness, you know? So what if I put the toilet tissue on the roll backwards? I didn't know there was a backwards until I got married. <laughs> you should put up with that because it's in 1 Corinthians. You, know? you should, uh, maybe I squeeze the toothpaste in the wrong place. I did know about that one. Uh, but you should put up with that because we're in love. And I've, not an issue for our household, but I've actually heard that some people think you're supposed to put peanut butter in the refrigerator. I don't know why. 
we have our differences, and it's very easy to take Bible verses, especially these, and use them to try to manipulate others' behavior. The, the Bible says you're supposed to love me this way. But when we weaponize these verses this way, I'm, I think we're missing the point. When we take God's instructions to love and put that on somebody else, we're probably not being faithful to the text. We might actually be harming our relationship. It's kind of like from time to time when I preach, uh, people will come up to me after the sermon and said, Oh, preacher, that was wonderful. I know somebody that should have heard that. We do that. I, I know that my partner ought to love me like that. But now I think if we, if we approach 1 Corinthians 13 faithfully, we have to understand that these verses are telling me how to love. They're teaching me how to treat my partner. And not just my partner, but teaching me how to treat my family and my, my friends, the people around me, even my enemies. The verses are talking about my behavior, not my partner's. They're about my behavior, not the way somebody ought to be treating me. When I, when I think about marriage, you know, I ought to be all about lifting up my partner, giving preference to her. It, to put it another way, uh, ideally, next to Jesus, my partner ought to be my very favorite person in my life. And so I ought to be eager to give preference. I, now, you understand I said ought to, right? I'm working at it. Uh, I ought to be eager to give preference. Yes? I ought, I ought to believe for the best and hope for the best. And even when that doesn't work out, I ought to be prepared to bear the difficulties and even endure the tough times. The call is for me to love in sickness and in health, for, and for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. That's what I'm called to do. When I try to point that at the other person, the relationship gets combative. So these verses are talking about my behavior. It's inviting me to be all in in the way I love someone else. But that's scary, isn't it? And that's risky. What if I go all in and my partner doesn't reciprocate? What if I give everything to the relationship and my partner just takes and doesn't give anything in return. I'm going uh, I'm to, I might run empty, Pam. You know, I, I might run out if I'm always giving and never getting. That's the fear that we have when it comes to loving and this godly kind of love. And I'll be honest with you, it's a very real fear. There are relationships that go that way, and there are Sad to say, there are those that seem to be incapable of returning love, perhaps even abusive. And in those situations, it may be time to exit the relationship. I don't believe that God calls any of us to continue in relationships where we're neglected or abused. And so we're called to go all in with our love, but if there's, if things are toxic and the love can't come back. Maybe things at least need 
some real attention, some excellent help. There are other folks that, are, that I've come across that are so afraid of being all in that they work out, uh, they negotiate how they're going to love. They're, they're so scared of the note, notion that I'm going to be 100% all in in love for you and just trust that you're going to love. They're, they're so nervous by that that they negotiate a settlement. I uh, knew one such couple in one of my churches. Uh, when we got to know them a little bit, we hung out with them. Our, we had kids about the same age, and, and uh, uh, they told us that they had agreed on a 50-50 marriage, that they were each going to give 50% of everything to their marriage. And it went right down to child care. And they were strict on this. We were visiting over at their house one day. Uh, Melissa and the kids and I were over there, and, and uh, their little boy, still a toddler, still in diapers, was playing right there, and we were visiting with the mom. The dad was out uh, cutting the grass. Well, uh, the little boy needed a diaper change. Playing right in front of the mom needed a diaper change. Uh, she said, it's not my day. She went to, the yard, went to the front door, yelled out over the whine of the lawnmower to her husband, said, he needs changing, you need to come in and take care of it. And very dutifully, he stopped the mower and came in and washed up. And I just sat in amazement. I said, now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that diapers are the mom's job. I've changed a ton of them. But to say today is my day to care for the kid, tomorrow is your day to care for the kid, and we're going to hold to that strictly and swap off day by day. It doesn't sound a whole lot like 1 Corinthians to me. Now, if you made that work for you, I don't want to be critical. Uh, you know, Kudos to you. But that relationship, I can tell you, did not end well. Uh, that couple is now divorced. Because love doesn't lend itself very well to the ledger books, does it? If you're keeping score on love, you're almost always going to lose. Love's risky. Love is a dangerous thing. But when it works out, but when we go all in and somebody returns that, then we get a chance to experience just a taste of what God is like. We've talked before in these messages about my favorite term, my favorite word for the Trinity. It's one of the oldest words that, that early church leaders used to describe who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit. They called God perichoresis. It's a word, it's a compound word, peri meaning circle and choresis, uh, the root word for, uh, for choreograph or dance. And so their word for the Trinity was circle dance. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this eternal, perpetual, incredible dance of love. And just perfect love. And the idea of our spiritual formation is that, uh, that God invites us into that dance. So I believe that when we love deeply and somebody returns that love, that we get a little taste of what it's like to be in that dance. Just an appetizer, if you will. Because it looks kind of like this. When, when somebody else knows who I really am, 
knows my worst parts, not the me on the stage, not the me in the robe, but when somebody knows the real me deep down inside on my worst day and that person chooses to love me anyway, when somebody loves me at my worst, it gives me hope that God could love me too. Isn't that awesome? Now that kind of love can certainly be found between spouses. I believe that's the ideal that it would be found between spouses, that that that's the ideal for that relationship, that it would manifest that way, but it's not limited to spouses. People that are dating can experience that kind of love. We can experience, I experience that kind of love from close friends, family members. What I would suggest to you this morning is any relationship, any relationship that helps you experience the presence of God is a holy love. Is that fair enough? Any relationship that helps us experience the presence of God is an example of holy love. And we want to celebrate that love on this Valentine's weekend. I know the weekend seems to be all about couples, but uh, I want to go a little further than that this morning, if that's okay. Because uh, and during this part of the sermon, let me invite you to take out that pink insert. We're going to be using it in just a minute. Zach's going to help me. But just have that handy. I realize on this Valentine's weekend, as we, uh, as people begin to pair up in restaurants all over town, uh, that we come to Valentine's in a, a lot of different situations. Many among us, many in our church are widows and widowers. You lived out this love for years, some of you decades, but now your partner is a part of that great cloud of witnesses. But I know that your partner is still very present with you too. I know that love continues, doesn't it? If you're one of those who has had to say goodbye to a partner in this lifetime, you know that that I know that that love for your spouse is still just as real today. I've walked that journey with my mom. My dad died in 2006, and uh, still to this day, I'll talk with her, and she talks about my dad. She still talks to my dad. She asked me one day if I thought that was okay. I told her absolutely. And I don't know how the great cloud of witnesses works, but I think he might just be listening too. Um, my... My mom's just as married today as she was in 2006. And we need to honor that. We need to respect that and support that. So if it's okay, I want to invite all of us together to join in this blessing. I want to invite all of us together to join in this blessing for our widows and widowers. Let's join in offering this blessing to those whose spouses are among the great cloud of witnesses. May May God God continue to fill your heart with love you you two share. May God God continue to fill your mind with with memories of years spent together. And may God strengthen you you with the hope hope that that from from death death comes resurrection. resurrection. May May God God fill your home home with peace. peace. Amen. There are others among us who... Uh, took those vows and really thought that they were going to be living a life together. They, uh, everybody on their wedding day envisions happy ever after. 
Uh, nobody shows up expecting things to go differently. To those of you whose relationships ended in this life, first I want to say on behalf of the church, I'm sorry for the way that the church has sometimes abused you. Hopefully not this one. But I'm sorry for the way that sometimes the church has treated you because your relationship ended in a way that you never planned. We should never have shamed you. We should never have ostracized you. We should never have excluded you from the full life of the church. And I hope, I hope that my apology for that offers some sort of comfort. Rather, I would, I would prefer that we blessed you for taking the risk to love. I just spent the last several minutes talking about how dangerous an option it can be. You, you took the risk to love, to try, and we ought to bless you for that. And when it doesn't end the way that you wanted, the church should be there with grace and support and welcome you and walk with you through those days. We should never push you away because your relationship ended like you didn't want it to. We should be ready to receive you. And so now I can... I, I've never heard of this being done in church before, and uh, I don't know what everybody's responsible to it, but I want to be a part for the first time in my life of hearing a church offer a blessing to people who've been divorced. Can we join in that? Let's join together in offering this blessing for those whose relationships have ended in this life. May, May God, God bless, bless you for, for taking, taking the risk, risk of love. love. May, May Christ, Christ embrace you as you heal. heal. May, May we, we offer grace and support as you, as you continue your journey of faith. In the name of Christ, you are valued, you are welcomed, you are loved. May God fill your home with peace. Amen. There are others among us that are single and have always been single. Uh, I want you to hear today that the, the Bible actually puts a very high value on that relationship. I want to apologize to you as well because sometimes the church comes across kind of as a couples only club now most of the couples will argue with me on that I've had that argument a lot of times but every single person just about that I've ever been around would agree with me that the church sometimes feels kind of couples only uh, it shouldn't be that way the Bible places an incredible value on your relationship your contribution as a single person, and the church should bless that and be careful to make room for that as well. I pray that with God's grace, we will get better at doing that. So I'd like for us to take a moment and offer a blessing for those who have remained single. Let's join together in offering this blessing to those who are single. May, May God, God continue, continue to bless you. you. May, May God, God reveal, reveal to us your value to God and, and the church. church. We recognize your completeness as people and your value to all the circles of people to which you belong. We celebrate your worth as individuals. May God fill your home with peace. Amen. And finally, there are some of us in the group that are married. Uh, we took vows before God and a company of witnesses that we would love, honor, and cherish one another daily throughout the decades that would follow. And at least once or twice, we've all failed at those vows, right? Uh, we, we like to really highlight 
the betrayal of vows when it comes to, uh, to fidelity. But the vows also include love, honor, cherish. Yeah, we break those. And for some reason, our spouses let us hang around and we get another chance. And so I hope that daily we can remember those vows, daily we can renew those vows, daily we can recommit ourselves to lives of love and honor with the people who have decided to include us in their household. And so a final blessing that I would like to ask is that we would offer a blessing to all of us who are still learning how to be faithful to our vows day by day. Let's join together in offering this blessing to those who are married. May, May God, God bless your, your relationship, relationship as, as you daily renew your pledge of faith. May God give you grace for the struggles and hope for the future. We pray that the years ahead will be filled with joy. May you rejoice in your love for each other, and may God fill your home with peace. Amen. See how good it is when God's people love one another. I hope you feel encouraged and blessed by your congregation's blessings for you. Love is risky business, but it's worth the risk. Love wins. Amen. We invite you to stand for our invitation. The altar's open for any need at all that you have. If you'd like to come and spend time in prayer, you're welcome to come. If Zach or I can pray with you, we'd be more than happy to do that. If God has touched you, if the Holy Spirit is moving you, we invite you to come as we sing.